Hallelujah. Amen. How many, again, of you men in here want to be a godly man, want to be a man of God? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a radio sermon uh, that I can do in a timely fashion. If I get into the camp meeting sermon, uh, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> and we've been here for a while. So I'm going to try to do what I do on the radio for just a little while, but get some teaching in. And I'm not going to go by and large by an outline today. I just want to talk to you about being a man of God and being a woman of God uh, and being a person. Let's put it that way. So it's not just men today. It's men and women that are Christian being a person after God's own heart. Now, I, I didn't get to preach this sermon, and I'm not going to preach the sermon in full today. Uh, when I planned to preach it. I prepared for this sermon many years ago uh, when I was going to speak at a men's meeting at a, at a, a, a church in Plant City because uh, <laughs> I worked with one of the deacons and he, he uh, decided that I was a man of God. Uh, I heard him telling somebody someday because a lot of people talked about their ministry and some people went out and partied with the guys on the weekend and, and drank with them and caroused with them and they had no respect for them. Uh, so when you declare yourself clergy or minister, there's an expectation and there should be, can you say, man, to not live uh, the, the, your life in a compromised way. Hallelujah. So anyway, I heard him telling something that really honored me. He, he said, he's a minister, and the guy didn't seem impressed because he's heard a lot of people that carry the, you know, the title of minister or clergy uh, that don't walk out any kind of life that displays leadership, not just in terms of a title or position, but literally by following Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So he said, no, I mean it. He's the real deal. And I thought, Lord, what a compliment. Not just as a minister, but as a Christian man, I really want to be the real deal. I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. I want to be, as Jesus said <laughs> of Peter's brother Andrew, here comes an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Can you say, man? There's nothing uh, inside that is insincere. Uh, he's, he's, he is the real deal. He wasn't fronting. Can you say, man? You know what that means to, to portray a persona that's not the real you. Uh, I want to be real before God. And the Bible speaks of the psalmist David as a man after God's own heart. Now, it didn't say that initially directly about David. It's when Saul was failing and God was going to bring another king that he would choose to lead Israel. And Saul is going, going to completely fail and fall away and become what he became. Uh, and he, he said, I will choose me. Before David was mentioned, he said, I will choose me. A man after my own heart. And the next verse of that scripture is very important. There's many facets to being a man after God's own heart. But there's one initial, fundamental foundation for it all. That without this, none of the rest of it can occur. I will choose me a man after my own heart who will obey me in all that I speak to him. David struggled with obedience. There was occasion 
where David failed to obey like he should, and he repented of that. But one thing was without question. He had a heart to obey God, even though he struggled with his own flesh and his own weakness. He never, ever came to a place that he, he absolutely rebelled and said, I'm not going to follow God. I'm not going to listen to God. No, he had that kind of heart within him. And this tells me something about the Lord, something very important. If he sees you have the heart, he's going to help you with your struggles with the flesh. He's going to help you to overcome. I like what Brother Willie said about if my child does their best and it's a C plus, it's okay as long as I know it's their best. I'm not going to set a standard that no one can attain to and then criticize them for not attaining it. And God doesn't set that standard. You know, God sets a high standard. But He knows that we're going to struggle with our flesh. And He's merciful. He doesn't, he doesn't condone anything that is not right and anything that is wrong. But He does love us and works with us within the context of our humanity. David appreciated that understanding from the Lord because David said, Lord, you have pity on me because you know that I'm but dust. You know I'm no angel. <laughs> can you say amen? I'm a human being. How many can honestly say in here you're no angel? We knew that before you told it to us. Can you say amen? Those double doors are so we can get out if there's a fire. So we won't bottleneck. Meeting a fire code re restriction on people gathered together in a building. Both of them will open. We can all run out of here if there's a fire. Those double doors are not so you can get your wings through when you come in. Can you say amen? That's not what they're for. We've never opened those doors for your wings or my wings. Thou pitiest me. Thou hast mercy on me. Because you know I am but dust. And God recognizes the clay element in us. And He loves us. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we have the heart to obey... God chose. Who did God choose? This is before David was mentioned, but, but when he went to choose, he sent the prophet <laughs> to Jesse's house. And he says, bring, bring out all your sons. I've got to pick and anoint this person God is looking for to be the king of Israel. I've got to anoint him. He sent me here for that purpose to anoint him. Saul was already intimidated by the, by the prospect, he knew, he knew God wouldn't put up with his foolishness for long. And he, and he said, if, if, if Saul, who is the existing king, who is failing so bad, if he, if he asks what you're doing here, tell him, tell him a truth, but don't tell him this part of it. Tell him I came up to the temple to worship God and go in there and worship God. But then go down and anoint me a king. And God's choice was based on what he said earlier. I will choose me a man after my own heart. David became known as that man. What was the foundation for all the other? And we could go into a praising heart. He had a, he had a sincere heart. He, he didn't blame. He didn't play the blame game. I mean, there's all kinds of sermons about what made David a man after God's own heart. But the foundation for all of the virtues that God saw in David, 
that caused him to choose him above all the other people. And he didn't choose him because he was perfect. But he chose him because he saw that he had a heart to obey. I will choose me a man after my own heart who will obey me in all that I speak unto him. See, every time we hear the word of God, we have the alternative and we have the option to apply it to our life or walk out of here as if we never heard it. And the only part of the word of God that's going to help you and do you any good or bless the Lord is the part that you take to heart and you apply in obedience. If a man loved me, if a man loved me, it's not just how, how you praise him on an instrument or praise him with your mouth or testify to others. It's obedience. That's the fundamental, foundational thing. Amen. If a man loved me, he, you can't express it by singing sentimental songs to him on Sunday morning. You've got to do more than that. If a man loved me, if he loved me, he will what? Keep my commandments. And oh, he adds a P.S., a postscript to that. And they won't be grievous unto him. He won't look like he's living in some kind of vacuum of life, some kind of religious box where there's no joy and there's no fun. Hallelujah. I love to see Christians that have fun. That's why I follow, my wife follows the Cristellos on, on Facebook. They have fun. You try to. <laughs> at least they're trying to have fun in this fallen world. I look at some Christians don't have no fun. They got long sleeves, long hair, long dresses, and long faces. At least they match. Can you say amen? Thank God for the Puritans and their stand for holiness. But they needed some fun in their life. I love to go to Doug and Sherry's at Christmas because they have fun. They celebrate. They ought to celebrate. We ought to out-celebrate. Say, well, Christmas is a pagan holiday. Well, don't let the pagans have it all. Can you say, man, I know it's a pagan day. I understand how it all came about. But for Christians, it's not a pagan holiday. It is a celebration of the birth of our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't, don't, take, don't take all of the joy out of Jesus, for heaven's sake. Brother Venable, do you have a Christmas tree? The Bible said, thou shalt not take a tree and put it on. Of course it did if you're worshiping it as some kind of God or religious, right? You don't have to have one. You don't have to have nothing. You can just sit there in the gloom. In your room and ponder doom. Can you say amen? Amen. Some said we're born crying. We, we're, we're born crying. We live complaining. And we die disappointed. That is not the Christian life. We have a hope. Hallelujah. Said I wasn't going to preach. It's hard not to. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Brother Bimbo, that's worldly. Come on, man. Come on. You know what's worldly? When you see the devil in everything and you can't see Jesus in anything. That's about as worldly as you can get. Can you say, man? 
So yes, I don't let, listen, let no man judge you in anything. What you eat or what, I'm not talking about drinking booze and getting drunk. I'm talking about this judgmental pointing of the finger attitude that takes all the joy out of serving Jesus. That is not New Testament Christianity. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Prodigal, what happens when the prodigal son comes home? Go and kill the fatted calf. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate. What happens when Israel repents? Go and eat the fat and drink the sweet, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you know you can't have the fullness of joy without barbecue. Amen? (laughs) Fist bump. Hallelujah. Praise God. Kevin, we're glad you're with us today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I will choose me a man. Obeying the Lord shouldn't be a hard thing. David said it's hard for my flesh, but when I conquer my flesh, repent of my sin, I'm not going to be tentative in my obedience to the Lord. He said not only am I going to seek or endeavor to keep your commandments, I'm going to run the way of your commandments. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm going to what? I'm going to run the way of your commandments. Can you say, man, I'm going to be quick to obey, enthusiastic in my obedience, joyful in my obedience. Hallelujah. Thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet, a light to my pathway. Amen. That snake ain't going to bite me because I see him. Hallelujah. Amen. I got my headlights on. I said, I said, I got my headlights on. I can't use a car reference without him. Hallelujah. How many would drive 70 miles an hour on the interstate with no headlights? Nobody. In their right mind. But thy word is what? A lamp to my feet. A light to my pathway. See, it always illuminates the path of righteousness to us. So that we can always choose that path. And people on that path of obedience to God are not in a religious box. Oh, yes, we are restricted and restrained by the Word. <laughs> Amen. But that restri- it's just keeping us out of trouble. It's, oh, friend of mine, God's, God's restraints are to keep us out of trouble. Amen. That old dog named Sophie that we rescued, they turned her loose in a neighborhood. She was an old lab mix, female dog. She, she just wasn't good. She wasn't a good watchdog. She knew no tricks. She could eat and sleep like you never saw. That dog could eat and then eat some more and sleep. Lord have mercy. That dog could sleep all day long and then want to come in at night and sleep under our bed. Closest she could get to. She wasn't good for nothing but to get down in the floor and hug on. And if you tried to get on her, her pillow we put down for, she would run and jump on it before you could get on it to make sure you didn't get her spot on the pillow. And when you went to hug her, she pulled her head away. You had to just, but she was lovable. She just, she just wasn't a feely, touchy dog, but you could tell that she loved us. And I remember one night, one night she wanted to go one way and I wanted to go the other. And in our neighborhood, 30 mile an hour, they don't, they do 50 miles an hour. 
especially late at night. I'd get home from work and walk Sophie. We're walking out there, me and Sophie. <laughs> and so here come, we're crossing the road, and a car is coming down the road, and I just want to get her out of either lane. It doesn't matter to me which lane, just get her out of the lanes. And I pull on her, and she thinks I'm stopping the walk early. And so she pulls against me. So I pull harder, and she lays down on her back, belly up. And I have to drag that old stupid dog. Amen? That's stupid. I mean, she's not dumb. She's stupid. (laughs) There's something beyond dumb, but I loved her. I loved her. You can't help. She was... She was just so pitiful. If it wasn't for us loving her, she'd have been dead, dead meat, roadkill a long time ago. But we loved her. So, so I, I mean, it's comical to think about. Here I am dragging this big, because she can eat, the dog can eat. <laughs> She's a heavy dog. And I'm pulling this dog out of the road, and she, she don't know why I'm yanking her out of the road. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm restraining her from being hurt. Can you? Because she isn't real good at obedience. Amen? <laughs> she just wasn't good. She, and it wasn't she was just rebellious so much as, as she just was stupid. David said, there's another reason you have mercy on me. Number one, you know I'm but dust. But there's a second reason. Lord, you have mercy on me because you know how foolish I am. Isn't that amazing? You know that I I mess up. And he came to the place of knowledge of God and knowledge of himself that helped him become the man of God that God saw in his heart that he wanted to be. He had a knowledge of God's mercy. He talked about the mercy of the Lord. And he discovered that mercy in God. And and then he began to learn things about himself. He said, you know, I can't really trust myself. So he came before the Lord and did something most church people never do. We ought to be the first ones in line to do it. Search me, O Lord, and see. If there be any unclean way. He's not talking about something I did. But something I have the potential to do. If I don't nip it in the bud and catch it early. I don't want to get in the mess that I was in. You've forgiven me and I don't want to go back again and again for forgiveness. I want some victory in my life. And it begins with victory over myself. David talked to himself. Soul. Why art thou disquieted within me? Why are you so fearful, tore up and worried, tore up from the flow up? Can you say amen? You've got a covenant with God. God loves you. God anointed you. God chose you. Hallelujah. God has confidence in you. Even if you don't have confidence yet in yourself. Can you say amen? And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God didn't make a mistake. Because he looked past the weaknesses, the fallacies of David. And he saw a heart that said, I really want 
to obey you and push come to shove he did can you say man he did and he became what the bible calls a man after God's own heart who shall obey me in all that I speak to him and because of God's mercy and David's repentance amen even after all the wrong that happened and all of the sin that occurred with the potential to to take him and and push him out of all of the history of Israel and label him a failure and a and a sinner that was judged of God the potential was there for that in David's life later on but because of the mercy of God and the repentance in David that allowed that mercy to flow to him they honored Jesus by calling him son of David. Oh, you didn't hear me today. He went on to become one of the greatest kings of Israel after some of the greatest failures that a man could ever have. What an example for us. We all need mercy. And we all need grace. You're not going to come to your potential by never failing and becoming to a place where you never need to repent. You're going to come to greatness when you understand. In fact, he told the church of Laodicea, I hate your ways, but I love you. And as many as I love... I rebuke. In fact, he said, you make me want to upchuck. You make me sick. <laughs> Amen. That's, I mean, that's a church. Come on, this is not the sinful world. This is the sinful church. He said, but as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. That, that chastisement and that rebuke was not to hurt them, harm them, discourage them to the point of giving up and going into despair. It was to challenge them because in the same breath, He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent because this chastening is because of my deep love for you in spite of yourself. Amen. That's the God that we serve. Don't try to portray Him different than He is. And if David found that grace in the Old Covenant, let me remind you about where we are today. We're not under David's covenant. We have a new covenant established on better promises. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! For the blood of Jesus... That covenant establishing blood of Christ speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and the blood of goats, which was only a type of what was perfect and coming. Hallelujah. 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 A man after God's own heart. It's all about obedience. If any man hears the word James said, and he doesn't obey it, he doesn't apply it, He's like this. He's like a man who saw his natural face in a glass. He saw the real. See, God will expose the real you through His Word. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Not just the fronting or the persona projected, but the real us. And he said that if he sees that and he doesn't do anything to change that, he, he walks away. With making no adjustments, no changes. And immediately, he forgets what manner of man he was. 
That's why we have so much word, so many Sunday morning services, so many people sitting in church with so little change going on in their life. They're not becoming more like Jesus because they're not obeying what they know to be true in the word. I don't believe we need to know more. I believe we need to apply more. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we what? Let them slip. It's so simple to walk out of here after God says, you know, you need to fix that and say, okay. You know, it's like your engine light being on. I said engine light being on. Amen. It's like your engine light being on. Something's wrong. It may be, it may be simple. It may be your gas cap. It may be your catalytic converter. <laughs> Amen. And it may be something real serious. You'll never know until you find out and get it fixed. My engine light came on the other day. I didn't put my gas cap on. It was telling me that something was wrong in the system because of a simple thing like it not clicking one time. I unclicked it, pulled it off, clicked it back on, drove down the road, engine light went off, said everything's okay. It was telling me you need to do something about this. My dog did not understand what I was doing for her because she was too, like David said, you pity me because you know, if you didn't come to me, if you didn't help me, if you didn't be merciful to me, I would have been destroyed. But you know, I'm foolish. I'm but dust. And I need help. And I need that help in terms of grace and mercy. Because I, I have the heart to obey. I have the heart to obey. But we also have this flesh, don't we? But the wonderful thing about God, if He sees the heart to obey, He said, I'm going to help you overcome that flesh. But I've got to have the heart to work with. And if I, can get the, if I can get that attitude of obedience established within you to apply the Word of God to your life, those people that are standing in a courtroom a few days after a crime that has shook this nation and hurt and harmed their loved ones out of nothing but pure hate, for them to stand with a heart to obey, God says, forgive. My flesh, my mind, and a whole bunch of other people in this nation and world says, how can you do that? But if I have the heart to obey, He'll give me two things. He'll give me the grace and the strength to obey. As many as received Him, heart to obey the gospel and repent of our sin. To them gave He what they didn't have until He gave it to them. The power to become the sons of God. Can you say, man, He doesn't expect or ask anything out of them uh, until they begin to develop that heart of obedience. And then He grants the grace and the strength. I don't know how, if someone shot my wife to death this morning, that I could that quickly forgive. But if you begin to pray for me and I have the heart to obey, God is going to give me two things. Grace, number one. To take care of the hurt and the anger and the pain. Because most people can't imagine that. Well, of course you cannot. You're not the one going through it and you haven't got the grace. I don't have it. I want to slap somebody, shake somebody, shoot somebody. 
Come on, you got flesh too. Don't look at me like that. I I just want to hug everybody no matter what they do to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to cut you off in traffic. I do not want to cut you off in traffic. I do not. Mark it down in your little black book. I do not want to cut you off. I know you're a good person. I know you love God. But I do not want to cut you off in traffic. (laughs) Can you say amen? Why, Brother Venable? Because I don't know if she's prayed up. I'm going to tell you something about everybody. If you ain't prayed up and humble down. One of the most respected people in my life when I started pastoring was a, a woman who had pastored the church as my predecessor, Pearl J. White. She's the most godly woman I knew. She convicted me by her fasting, her, 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 her dedication to the Word. She said she'd get up in the middle of the night and pray in tongues for hours till her husband couldn't hardly get no sleep. I mean, she just ultra-dedicated, super-Pentecostal, ultra-holiness, and it was all good. Nothing wrong. So I didn't think she had problems with the flesh. Obviously, she has risen above the flesh. She has conquered the flesh. The flesh is no more an issue. And she opened up and was honest like David was, you know, and became transparent. And She said, and, and please don't follow this example because she was wrong. She sinned. She had to repent to God and her neighbor. But said her neighbor was always complaining about something. You know how yards intersect and you can get one of those kind of neighbors that test you? And so she was being tested. It had been an ongoing thing. said every time I went outside, I'd have the peace of God. My neighbor would come over and start ranting and raving about something. And then I'd lose the peace of God. And, uh, you know, and get into what. Anyway, she said she got over. I went up to the fence said, you know, I don't want to go through this again. I'm tired of this. Let's just talk. And said the lady really lit into her and I think called her some choice names with some cursing. And she said, she said, Pastor Venable, I slapped her face. And I thought, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Not in my wildest imagination. Some of you, I can see you doing it. Help me not to glare at anybody. But I can't imagine. This is God's woman of faith and power, highly anointed. I can't imagine. Now this guy maybe, but not her. You know, at the funeral of your mama, the lady was one of her best friends. Said she could, she could cook neck beans and rice so good. Neck, neck beans. I tell you, if you ain't had neck beans and rice, you 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 ain't living, man. <laughs> she could she could put neck bones and rice. So good it'd make you want to slap your mama. Every time I say that, that woman right there look. And these boys know that look. Don't you know that look? Yeah, you better not slap your mama. <laughs> yeah. You don't carry that you don't carry that look on your cell phone, do you? On your no, I didn't think so. Praise God. Yeah, you get in trouble for that. She said, I was so sorry. I couldn't believe that I did that. I can't believe that I did that. 
I can't believe that, that my anger got the best of me. I mean, you know, you, preacher's not supposed to slap people. Sean, are we? I haven't slapped anybody yet. And I've been preaching and pastoring for almost 42 years. It's always the first time. Don't test me, but I haven't done it yet. One preacher said, and he had a healing ministry from Canada, a great healing ministry. And I guess he's wore out from praying for people. You get wore out and wore down, you make a misstep. And he, 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 said, he, he said, you know, a guy come up in that healing line, and he looked me in the eye. I guess his wife had quit going out and drinking alcohol with him because she got saved, and he got mad at the preacher for it. said, he come up and looked me in the eye and said, after this service is over, I'm going to stomp you. He said, I put my, you, my chest right up against his. He's praying for people under the anointing. Put my chest up against his and said, back where I come from, we stomp one another. <laughs> he lost it there for a second. Well, the guy didn't stomp him and he didn't stomp the guy. But he was like that dog. He needed restraint. I needed restraint before. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm, I'm not a big man. I mean, you know, in stature. And I played right guard football because I was little, and I had to beat out the big guys. And I found out something about big guys. Like this guy right here, ain't no way I'm going to chest to chest with him. No way. Forget about it. Even when I was young as him. I got to get him down around the knees and then get out of his way. If he's coming across that line, i got to hit his legs. Amen. i got to take his legs out from under him with my shoulder. Because chest to chest, no contest. And I'd been good at it. Because I love to hear my number. My jersey number was 53. Had it on my ring. My graduation ring until they stole my ring at work. Amen. And, and my watch. And Lord have mercy. They needed they needed sanctification. But I'll never forget the day me and, and my friend, we were, we were on the line. You know, the, the ball was hiked. Here they come. And I remember hitting this guy, took him off his feet and looked up. And there was a guy standing right in front of my friend. And he elbowed him in through his face mask and busted his nose. I mean, he busted his nose and the blood. Be- these, these were big boys from Hillsborough High that were shaving. <laughs> they were already shaving, man. They weighed 200 and some pounds. Chewing tobacco, yeah. And so what, what do foolish people do? They do foolish things. And if nobody restrains you. And so I jumped up and said, if you want to push somebody, if you want to hit somebody rather, hit me. And I shoved him back. I had my helmet off. And he jacked my jaw. (laughs) Some lessons are learned the hard way. He hit me. And boy, when I got up, you know, I got to jump on him and hit him back. But they grabbed me. 
And I was so glad they grabbed me. <laughs> Hold me back. Let me go. Don't let me go. Let me go. Don't let me go. Let me go. Don't let me go. Whatever you do, don't not let me go. It hurts. He'll do it again. When God doesn't let you go, thank Him for it. When God restrains you, thank Him for it. He chastens every son that He loves, just like me and old Sophie. I could leave her in the road and let her do her thing. Let her get run over and become roadkill. I drug her off the road. It wasn't comfortable for her for me to drag her off the road. I restrained her because I love her. When David discovered... This about God. He said, boy, when I held my peace, when I didn't repent, it wasn't fun no more. Being king wasn't fun. Having illicit sex wasn't fun. Having anything that a man could require because he's a rich king. Having the allocades of people. Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. That isn't even fun anymore. When I didn't repent, Psalm 32 verse 1, when I held my peace, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. Amen. When I held my peace, before I repented and, re- and obtained forgiveness he said it's like drying up inside it's like my soul became a desert my moisture was turned to drought until he repented and he said don't be like the ox or the mule that has to be restrained that has to be turned about with the bit and the bridle, the pressure and the pain. Can you don't be like that? Have a see that heart to obey was in conflict with his disobedience. And until he came back to that heart to obey, he could find no peace and no pleasure even in sin. Can you say, man? If you've ever known the Lord, you can go out and party with the world. But you can't have no fun doing it. Not if you belong to God. If you don't belong to God, it's no big deal. But if you belong to God, you're out of your element. You're out of your... You know it too. One guy said, I got saved. Next weekend, he said, I went out. And the guys, we went fishing. They brought a case of beer. And I drank me three beers. He hadn't got sanctified yet. He hadn't got dedicated yet. He didn't walk in devotion yet. He said, I drank, I th- I drank three beers, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't fun. If you really get saved, sin isn't fun. It's something that convicts you. But when you repent and you decide to walk in obedience, you find real joy and real freedom in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for His restraints. My radio, I'm ten minutes past radio time. A man of God, fundamentally, before any of the other virtues, and there are many other virtues and sermons about them. A man after God's own heart is a man who will ultimately obey me in all that I speak unto him. And then God made a choice at Jesse's house. At Jesse's house. He said, bring out your sons. I don't know which one. God will tell me when I see him. Bring out your sons, because one of them is going to be anointed to be the next king of Israel, a man that God will choose of God's choosing a man after God's own heart.
he brought them out one by one. And, and the, the prophet picked up the anointing. It was a horn. Do you have that horn over there? It was a horn of oil to anoint with. Completely full of oil. And when he saw Eliab, the salt and pepper gray, tall, stalwart, kingly looking man, he assumed it's got to be him. He took a step forward. Because six boys were standing there and the prophet had already picked the one. But see, it's not the one the prophet picks. It's the one that God is choosing. Because the man looks on the what? The outward appearance. Where does God look? He looks on the heart. So the one that he thought would be the one, he took a step forward obviously to anoint because God spoke to him and said, that's not him. Man looks on the outward appearance. I'm looking on the heart. He stops in his tracks and said, have you got any more children? He said, we got one young son. And he's not here today to get involved in all. He's out there watching the sheep. He gets the tail end of it. If you, now the youngest gets spoiled. Then the youngest got the tail end. Can you say, man, it was the firstborn that got all the blessing. And when they brought David forth... This little shepherd boy that would become a shepherd king. He said, that's him. Him? You've got to be... No, it's got to be him. No, it's him. You're looking after the flesh. You're looking on the outer. I'm looking at the heart. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God looks at the heart. He knows our heart. And if you have the heart to obey... You're going to get the help you need to obey, even if you struggle with the weaknesses of your flesh. And he wants you to have that heart to obey because you love him. And he poured that oil over David. And the Bible said of David, these be the last words of the sweet psalmist of Israel. And this man who obtained that mercy got that blessing. Amen. Because he had a heart to obey. And that's why when he saw himself and his sin, he got down before the Lord. He didn't blame the devil. He didn't blame the woman for bathing and not taking precautions, you know, from... Amen. Well, she got naked and she should have been somewhere else where I wouldn't see her. No, he didn't pull none of that nonsense. He owned his sin, confessed his sin. And God restored his kingdom. Hallelujah. And his character. Did you get anything out of this between David and old Sophie today? Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. God is so good. Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. God is still looking for men and women. To be men and women after his own heart. His own heart. His own heart. Jesus said it this way as we close. He said, two men built their houses. They built them with the same building material. The block was certified. The wood was pressure treated. The shingles were 20 year, 30 year shingles. One man, see this is fundamental this is foundational. 
obedience. One man built his house on a rock. And one man built the same house with the same building material, but he built it on the sand. And everything was fine until the rains came and the flood tides came. Pretty obvious what's going to happen. The man that built on the rock, his house withstood the flood tide. And the man that built on the sand, it washed it away. Until the flood came, you couldn't tell one house from the other. Until the trials come, the tests come, and the temptations come, you won't know who is the real deal and who isn't. And it's all based, Sean, on who obeys him. Can you say man? The man that said that he would obey him and didn't, it's easy to say it. Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my life. You express that not while you're here saying it, but when you walk outside this door and you're faced with the choices to obey God or self or sin or Satan. He that knows my word and doeth it. He's like a man that dig deep. Laid his foundation on a rock. The winds beat on it. The rain came. The flood tides came. But it stood because it was founded on the rock of devotion to Christ. Because that's what brings obedience. It's not just obedience for the sake of obeying. It's obedience for the sake of Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he that said I will obey you and, and didn't do it. He's like a man that built his foundation on the sand. And the winds came and the flood tides came. And the house fell. And, and it wasn't just a little deal. Great was the fall of it. Can you say man? I will choose me a man. After my heart. Who will obey me. In all the things that I speak unto him. Every time I open this book. I have to crucify the flesh. Any part of this I apply to my life will require that I say no to myself. That's why he said, if you want to follow me, prerequisite, deny yourself. Can't have it both ways. Can you say, man, don't slap your enemy. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Put the, crucify the flesh that wants to do that. And thereby follow me. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Well, we love you today. God loves you today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I believe that we're going to see a resurgence of obedience to Christ. I believe we're going to see young men and women that need a reason more than just going to church. They need a cause. And I believe the cause for young men and women today is to fully commit to follow Christ and be counterculture in a world that is drifting away from God and a church world that is drifting away from God. I don't believe there's enough skate parks. I don't believe there's enough video games at church to get people to follow Jesus, young men and women. I believe they need to hear the same gospel that brought devotion 2,000 years. I don't believe we need an edited, updated version of the gospel. The cross drew people then, and the cross draws people in the 21st century. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And I will glory in the cross, whereby I am crucified to this world, 
and this world is crucified unto me. And though I be far from perfect, I haven't slapped anybody yet. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good today. I'm not saying I would never do that. I pray I never do that. I don't want to ever do that. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. How many can say, Lord, hold me back? Can we close with that kind of, Lord, hold me back. This is going to hurt me more than the person I want to hurt. So please hold me back. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. He'll help you. He loves you. He knows that you are but dust. And He knows how foolish we can be sometimes. And the fact is, He loves us in spite of ourselves. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. How many still struggle with the flesh? I don't want to look and see because I don't want to have to call liars to repentance. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I struggle with mine. If you're struggling with yours, that means that you have a heart to obey. Because if you didn't have a heart to obey, there wouldn't be no struggle going on. So viva la struggle. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Learn that from Miss Piggy. All my French I got from Miss Piggy. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, you look upon us today. And you see our need for sanctification, for holiness. Lord, but you see it in the context of our weak flesh. And Lord, help our hearts to become devoted to you. You'll help us with the rest of it. If you just capture our hearts and captivate our minds, let us love you unreservedly. In the name of Jesus, Father, and bless us, Lord, to be a separated, separate people and to live for you and to express that love by obeying you in everything that you've told us, with everything that we have and everything that you grant us in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Let's lift you up in song before we go and eat the fat and drink the sweet today. He's a worthy God of our praise and our... Let's just worship Him.